So the whole um, series that the Lord is having me do is based out of, of Luke um, um, 6.38. Um, and it, it's Jesus, and, and, and he was talking in the Sermon on the Mount, and he's giving his first sermon. There he is. He's on a mountaintop, and he's speaking to the masses. And he's sharing his heart, and he's introducing the kingdom. And he's introducing how the kingdom functions versus how the world functions. And so he's, he's, he's basically saying that the, the superiority of the word um, it, over the things of the world um, is his way. And so he's bringing that message. And, and to summarize it, he's basically saying um, this in Luke six thirty eight. He says, give, and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will be put into your bosom for the same measure that you use the same measure that you use, it will actually be measured back to you. So what he's doing is he's drawing out a measuring tape, and he's saying there's actually a, a way that you can measure things in the kingdom, and, and the way that he measures it is through giving. And it's through us giving, because he already gave, right? Jesus already knew he was about to go to the cross, and he already knew that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God already gave his very best, his very most, his treasure, his only son. And those of you that have sons, you can understand what it would be to give your only son the, 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 the promise, the, the greatest thing that, that you carry in your heart, that you're to give that away for the sins of a bunch of, of, of or a bunch of sinners, you know, people that are, are totally ungrateful. They have no idea about what's about to happen to them, you know. And, and, and he's giving his son for those that killed him. The, the very people that he's, he's giving his first and his best to are the ones that actually did the work of the enemy, right? And so, so it's this kind of love that comes, and it's a, it's a kind of love that is a, it's a sacrificial love. It's a sacrificial giving. It's a, um, and, and what it does is it comes at a cost. And so what he said is, he said, I'm going to make myself weak. Jesus came. He is the strongest, the highest power in all of the universe was created by him and by his word. But he said, I'm going to voluntarily weaken myself so that I will be a first fruit so that I will show you how the kingdom operates. And the kingdom operates. And he told us in Sermon on the Mount, he said, the kingdom operates through voluntary weakness. Now, the world is going to tell us that in order to get ahead, we have to be strong. We have to be resourceful. We have to, we have to make it happen. We have to work really hard, right? We have to be cunning. We have to be, you know, so, so there's all of these things that the world and, and the God of this age has set in place in the world that teaches us how to prosper, and Jesus comes on Sermon on the Mount, and he said, listen, everything that he has said to you and everything that you've learned about advancing yourself and getting to the destiny that God has for you is actually wrong. 
And so I'm coming and I'm setting in a completely different model and with principles that, that you can, if you will apprehend these, you can tap into something that actually is above the things of the world, which is the word of God. Because he's saying the word of God is superior to the model and the principles of the, the, the kingdom age, or I mean the, the worldly age. It's the kingdom age, okay? Are you with me? All right, so on this series, um, I've been focusing on three ways that Jesus initiated the kingdom life when he teaches us to give our time and our money away in his, this sermon, okay? So all of this voluntary weakness, what it does is it actually gives us access to kingdom resources. Say kingdom resources. Okay, and so there is a vastness in the kingdom of heaven that is available to those that begin to get a revelation of how to access this. Now, this is what David Wagner said when he came here. He said, you have entered into a season to access God's excess, all right? And so, so when, when you have a prophet, in fact, we've had several prophets come and they've said the very same thing. And, and in order to access this excess, there's a way that we have to function. But we've, we've rationalized the way that we live thinking that if we just do it our way and then we we um uh, then then we're going to prosper and i can tell you i see people all the time struggling in the area of finances and in the area of money and and they, and they they don't they haven't gotten a revelation of god's heart they haven't gotten a revelation of god's mind in the area of finances therefore they are under a curse and how do you know that you're under a curse in the area of finances you have no peace and you got no money. You wake up in the middle of the night thinking about money. You think about money all the time. How am I going to pay this? What am I going to do? And you got that thing, and it's a broken record going off in your head all of the time. So not only, and I know some people that have lots of money, but they have no peace. They have no peace around the area of money. It's like no matter how much they get, it's not enough, and it's not satisfying them. Okay, and so I want to I wanna really talk about this because it's important, and the reason that Jesus spoke, I believe, about finances and about money more than he even did prayer, 2,200 scriptures, is because he said you're going to be so tied in with money because it, it, it affects every aspect of your life. And he said, but I'm telling you, also on Sermon on the Mount, he said this, don't worry about what you eat, about what you drink, and about what you wear. Don't worry about your shelter because I've got this covered. And so he's saying something that seems like a completely um, contrary to, to how we're made. You know, we're made to worry. How many of you worry about your money? Come on, be honest. Okay, whatever. The rest of you lied. <laughs> All right? All right. So he gives us this new way to live, which is the opposite of the world. And I'm going to read this to you because it's really good. Okay. All right. Okay. So he gives us this new way to live, which is the opposite of the world. His ways tear down the world, demonic structures and systems put in place by, by Satan himself. Jesus is saying that your human weakness actually creates the landing pad for his supernatural strength. Your voluntary weakness, it, it's just, it, it, I love what Misty Edwards says. It's the inside 
inside, outside, upside down kingdom. And it's right. It's like skiing downhill. Has anybody ever skied downhill? And they tell you to lean into the hill, like lean down. And you're like, no, I'm leaning back because that's steep and I don't want to go fast. But actually the way that it works is when you lean into it or you voluntarily make yourself, you know, leaning in towards the speed, you actually slow yourself down. Doesn't make any sense, but it works. All right, so he shows us the superiority of the word over the world. He desires our first and our best. And he says this in Sermon on the Mount. He says, all right, here's the deal. I want you to seek first the kingdom of heaven and, 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 and its righteousness, and all else will be given to you. So he's setting a precedent of firsts. Remember last week we talked about giving our first fruits and giving our, giving our first fruits, which is the tithe, right? And, and the word said, and we, we looked this up last week, the tithe is holy. The tithe is holy. He's very clear about the tithe in the word, okay? And last week, we made a case, and I'll cover a little of this today, about the fact that now that he's come and he died on the cross, all of a sudden, I don't know where this came from, but we think that we don't have to give to the church anymore, and we don't have to support the shepherds that are over us. So um, that, that's wrong. And, um, and let me just go ahead and skip ahead here, and I'll, I'll show you in the Word. In fact, go ahead and turn to um, Malachi 3. If you have digital, you can um, just open it up on that iPhone. So weird. And if you're over 50, you can't see the Bible on that iPhone. <laughs> All right. So Malachi 3, verse 8. Now, I want to, before I read this, I want to tell you that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when he came, he, he did not come to abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law. Why? What did he do? He said, look, I, I got the law. All of that's right. But now I'm going to land on the law, and I'm going to give you the grace to actually fulfill it even greater, deeper, and higher than you did before. So it's not going to be as hard for you. Amen? All right, verse 8. Um, chapter 3, verse 8, will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And he says this, in tithes and offerings, you, have cur- you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. And he says, bring the tithes into the storehouse. Where's the storehouse? It's the church. Well, then it was the temple. Oh, yeah, it's here. That's not why we named it that. All right. Now he says, uh, now when he says, he doesn't say bring the tithes into the storehouse. He says bring all the tithes into the storehouse. So he's saying not 8%, not 7%, 10%, all the tithes into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house and try me in this now. So he said, test me in this, says the Lord of hosts. That means the Lord of armies. Okay. If I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer on your sake so that your stuff doesn't get rusty, so your stuff doesn't break. I will rebuke the devourer so that your stuff will last longer. 
so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor will, will the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So what he's saying here is, I don't want my people to be beggars. It's like people would look, people look at us and they say, well, I don't want to be a Christian because you guys can't even get it together. You guys can't pay your bills. Is that, is that, God's saying that's not, I want them looking at you going, wow, these people don't ever worry about money and they have plenty. Their barns are overflowing. Their vats are overflowing. How is this even possible? I want to know your God. I want to know, and this is not a prosperity gospel message. This is just the word of the Lord. This is his word. He wants to prosper his people. Why? Why does he want to do it? To advance his kingdom. Clear and simple. Or simple and clear. All right. Now, there are three ways in Sermon on the Mount to be a giver. Number one, acts of service. Number two, we talked about this the first week. Number two, give tithes and offerings. And number three, give our time in prayer and worship. So the first week, we were really talking about serving and contributing and being part of a family and being part of a body, right? And then uh, last week, we were really talking about tithing and giving your, giving, uh, your um, seed into the church. And, um, and I, I just, it, this also is part of being a family. You know, we call ourselves the family of God, that we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And the first church, one of the first things that they did when they encountered the living God, the fear of the Lord struck their hearts and they sold everything and they laid it at the apostles' feet. It doesn't even say in there that they were commanded to do so. It said that they had all things in common, and there was so much love. There was so much love in their hearts for one another that what they wanted, and they were so excited about their their experience, their hearts were transformed and filled with love. And so they, they, they voluntarily made themselves weak. And then what did God do? He fell on that with his spirit, and he increased and multiplied the church greatly. Amen? All right. And so, um, very clearly, the tithe in the scriptures is in the New Testament. I want you to turn because I want you to see this in Matthew 23, 23. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. He's actually rebuking them, which is pretty much what he did all the time. They're like, ah, here comes that guy that's always yelling at us. All right, um, chapter 23, verse 23. Jesus says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done, meaning tithe, without leaving the others undone. And, and what the uh, New Living Testament, or the New Living Translation says, what sorrow awaits for you teachers of the religious law and you Pharisees and hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income on your herb gardens, but you ignore the more 
important aspects of the law, which is justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. And so he was saying, listen, you've got to take care. Not only do you need to give into, into the storehouse or into the church to take care of, of my shepherds, the people that I have set over you, so they're not having to go out and get jobs to support their families because the church isn't tithing. Um, but he said, he said, but don't, but also you need to give above the tithe because there are widows and orphans and women coming out of sex slaves. And you see the man on the streets. Uh, we were, uh, we were just, I was just at the park with my grandchildren yesterday, feeding the homeless guy. You know, of course it was JD Chippery cookies, but you know, Anyway, it's still, you know, I mean, so we're to give away. We're to to be people that are constantly giving away because as you give freely and with a glad heart, guess what happens? Holy Spirit lands on your money. All right, so there are two aspects of giving. There's the tithe and there's giving and offerings. The tithe means 10% and it comes into the house of God. Uh, Believe it or not, there's a lot of people that don't understand that. They don't understand that that's the way it works. They just thought you just give money to whoever, and that's tithing. But that's actually not scriptural. The tithe is for the house of God so that the people that God has set set over you to care for your souls, to grow you in the Lord, that they will be cared for, okay? And then the offerings and the giving are a lot of times, you know how we'll have people that come through here, like we've got this conference that's coming up. Those are going to be offerings above the tithe so that you can bless these people that are apostles and prophets so that you can reap a reward of a prophet. Amen. All right. One of the things I want to talk about in... um, Malachi, which just blew me away. It talks about the windows of heaven, right? That I will open up. Test me in this if I will not open up the windows of heaven. And so the Holy Spirit said, go in and look at what that means. And um, I did. And there's a, a Hebrew word called aruba. Say that. Aruba. I know. It's not an island. It's better than an island. Okay? Aruba. Guess what it is? It means the floodgates. So he's saying, listen, it's not just am I going to open up the windows of heaven. I'm actually, if you'll test me in the tithe and in the offerings, I'm going to open up the floodgates of heaven. All right. This same phrase was used when Noah was on the boat. It says that the windows of heaven opened up and out came a deluge of water so much so that it covered the entire earth. This is the, this is the phrase that, that God chose to use to describe what's going to happen to your money. Come on, that's good news. I don't know about you, but I made it, I made, I was like, God, I love prayer and that you've shown me how to encounter you in a place of prayer. But Father, I pray that you would give me revelation about kingdom finances. I pray, God, that you, we would tap in to the word of God, to the secrets of heaven, so that we can prosper and give away our money. 
Have you ever given away money? Do you know how that feels? I mean, my goodness, how good it feels to be a giver. And so this morning, um, I want to talk to you about just the grace of, of giving and what that looks like. Because honestly, I didn't understand sowing and reaping. John and I were making, oh, I don't know, just bucket loads of money when we lived in the Park Cities. And we'd go to church, and we'd write a check for $25. And we were like, yay. And then, um, and then we got saved. <laughs> And uh, I tell you what, if the Lord is trying to get your attention, guess where he'll get it? Guess where he'll get you? Your pocketbook. Because there's no way that will, nothing will drive you to your knees like your money. And you're like, God, save me. I've had a lot of those prayers. You know, when the only thing you can pray is this little, All right, so he obviously knew the importance that this would have because like I said last week, uh, money, power, and lust are the most powerful and seductive forces on the earth, right? And, um, you know, first you get the money, then you get the power, then you get the woman, and that's how it goes. Um... So I want to talk about this seed for a minute. Jesus used the event of feeding the 5,000 as really a demonstration of what a seed looks like. So um, it's like it's like putting your seed into an interest-bearing account. And so Jesus uh, had the disciples come up to him, and they were very worried, right? They were very concerned they're filled with anxiety and fear because they've got all these people and it's getting dark and the people aren't leaving and so they're thinking okay when they they start getting hungry they're going to actually start getting grumpy and um, we could have a real situation on our hands and um, so Jesus asked the question what do you have and so Jesus is asking the question to us today what do you have Because everybody has something. Everybody has something to sow. Everybody has been given a seed because the word says that he gives the seed and he gives the increase. So he's given all of us a seed. So he said, uh, they said, well, we've got these five fish and um, it was three loaves, right? Two. Well, there's two, yeah, there's two places. And so anyway, so let's just concentrate on the fish for a minute, shall we? So he's got the five fish. And so what he does is he takes the fish and he transfers the fish into the kingdom by thanking the Lord for the fish, for the seed. He said, here's the seed, and he's showing them a principle of the Sermon on the Mount. I'm going to give this now to the Father, and I'm going to give it to him through thankfulness. So he's saying, Father, thank you for the seed. He transfers the seed into the kingdom, and the Father brings multiplication on the seed. So much so, not only did he feed everyone, but he had leftovers, right? John and I have experienced this so many times where we'll have people over. We used to have people in our house, and that's how this whole place got started. And, and, and we would have more and more people were coming, and I was like, wow, this is really costing us a lot of money to feed all of these people. And then I said, wait a minute, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to 
make one um, um, pot full of stew or pot full of soup, and, and it's just going to have to feed everyone. And so we're going to pray over it. We're going to thank the Lord for it. And I'm telling you, whether we had 80 people or 160 people in my house, we always had one bowl left over. And it's the principle of the kingdom. And if you've ever heard Heidi Baker's story, this is the way that she basically indoctrinates all of her interns is she puts them over the food line and they look down that line so far they, you can't see the end and, um, and the food never runs out. Amen? All right, so transferring the money. So it's very interesting that what he did when he, when he um, transferred the seed, he got the 5,000 fish. Then he goes into the boat with them, remember? And they get really scared because the storm kicks up, and he's sleeping. And he rebukes them when they wake him up going, oh, we're going to die. And he rebukes them saying, you didn't get what I just told you. You didn't understand about sowing and reaping and binding and loosing. You didn't understand that the kingdom of heaven, I showed you how to get the the resources from heaven and bring them down to the earth, and you didn't learn the lesson that I was trying to teach you. And so what he was showing them is, is, is that the word of God is greater than the circumstances of the world. And, and so um, uh, uh, what I'm trying to do by explaining this today, my heart is that we would begin to get not just, we wouldn't follow the principles, but we would actually get a revelation of this kind of living for every aspect of our life because he trains us through money. He, he trains us to rebuke the storm by releasing the resources or the calm of heaven over the storm so that the storm gets quieted, right? But he, but, but, but we got trained just like David did. He got trained, remember, with the bear and the lion. He wrestled them so that when he got before Goliath, he was prepared. And so he said, I'm training you in the area of money because if you can learn in this area about faith, about love, about bringing what is in heaven as it is on earth, right, and bringing that down, then you're going to actually understand how my kingdom works. That's why he talks so much about money. Because he's training us as sons and daughters to go to the refrigerator in heaven and get a Coke if we're thirsty. <clears throat> mm-hmm. All right, transferring money into the kingdom is like putting in an interest-bearing account. Um, Jesus is mindful of your giving. And um, Jesus, and let me tell you something. Jesus said in... Um, Uh, Galatians 6, he said, listen, I will not be mocked. It's pretty strong language. No, wait, it was Paul that said that, excuse me. Paul said in Galatians that, that God will not be mocked. And he said, do not be deceived. He sees what you're doing. He, and he showed us this when Jesus was, when he was on the earth because he sat there or stood there and he watched them and he made comments on what they were doing and how they were giving. That's how important it is. Does Jesus need our money? No. But he said, I watch, I believe he's saying, I'm watching 
because it's telling me the measurement of your love. Because where your money is, that's where your heart is. You can look at your checkbook or you can look at your bank statement and you can tell where your heart is and where your love is. Are you spending all your money on the things of the world or are you actually sowing into the kingdom? I mean, I'm sorry if that hurts, but it's the truth. And so he says very clearly, turn in your Bibles to um, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, chapter 8 and 9, because I want to show you about the grace of giving. Do you still like me? Do y'all still like me? Okay, nobody's walked out yet. <laughs> Look, Becca's even coming back. All right, chapter 8, we're going to start at verse 1. I'm going to read um, 1 through 7. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So what he's doing is he's actually giving a testimony to the church in Corinth about his experience in Macedonia. That in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. And so he said, listen, they were, in, they were actually in a trial of affliction. And, and, and they were in deep poverty. But he said this, but the great trial of affliction turned into the abundance of joy and their deep poverty abounded in the richness of their liberality. So they freely were giving even in the place of their poverty. And because of that, they began, they, they began to abound in riches, okay? For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, meaning to give. Um, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship and the ministering of the, to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete the grace in you as well. But as for you, abound in everything, in faith, in speech, knowledge, in all diligence, in in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also, meaning in the giving also. See that you abound in giving. And, and what I find fascinating here is he goes on in chapter 8, verse 8, and he said, I speak not by the commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. So what did he say? He's equating the distribution of money with the evidence of their love. He is, he is saying there is, a, there is evidence. I can look and I can see how much you love God by if you're willing to give and how much you love me by, 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 the, by how much you're willing to give money. Because where your money is, that's where your heart is. Where your heart is, that's where your money is. These two things are synonymous because we, he understood that we would need money to live. But he's like, are you going to be obedient in what I've told you to do, or are you going to go to the mall? To put it in Dallas terms. And really what he's saying is that, listen, uh, here's the commandment, because he said, I speak not by commandment. So he says, I, the, the commandment is that you would love God with everything. You would love him with all your strength, all your mind, all your heart. You would love him with all your soul. That's, and, and there's, and he's saying there is evidence of that. I can directly tell you that, that I'm going to measure how much you give with how much you're going to get back. 
Because, because as you extend yourself in this way, you're actually the, the very hand of God reaching out and supporting his people, caring for his people. Amen? All right, so um, if he's talking about money, let's, let's look back because I, wanna, I want you to look at um, chapter 9, verse 8, because I want to show you his definition for rich. Chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all, say all, all grace abound to, toward you that you always, say always, having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Oh, my gosh. Let's put that on the refrigerator, shall we? I mean, that is, that's the press down overflowing out of your bosom. There is, it's just like, this is going to be, this is going to be so great that this abundance would abound to you. This abundance would be overflowing to you. He's saying, this is what I consider to be rich, that every need would be met and beyond what your need is. So it says, number one. You have everything you need. Number two, you have abundance for every good work for advancing the kingdom. That sounds like Malachi 3 to me. All right. Um, let's look at verse 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness. So God is saying, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to give you the financial seed for you to sow. So I'm going to give you the ability to create wealth. And I love you so much that, that I'm going to make it possible for you to tap into this kind of kingdom wealth. Number two, he says, God provides the financial for living for you to personally use above and beyond what the needs of, of the church and the needs of providing for others. And three, he says, he will multiply the seed that you sow in his kingdom so your 90% actually gets multiplied or having favor on it. Number four, he said, I'm going to increase the fruit of your righteousness, which Isaiah 32 says is peace. The fruits of righteousness is peace. So he said, I'm going to increase your peace in the realm of your money, and that peace is also going to land in the rest of your life. Because don't you know that if you have no fear over money, I'd say that 90% of everything's pretty much taken care of. I know it was for us. When I, when I let go of being afraid of not having enough, when I stopped looking at my husband as my provider, and I began to realize that God is my provider, and what he's looking for is that I would be faithful with the seed, and if I knew that I was doing that, then I just praise the Lord. I can't do anything else other than, you know, just, you know, live within my means and everything, right? And then God kept landing on that seed over and over again. And we kept tapping into this supernatural stuff that started to happen in our lives. And not just around money. And I'm going to show you that in a minute. Philippians 4, 17 through 19, Paul says this, not that I seek the gift, the tithes and the offerings, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account, meaning the fruits of righteousness, and my God shall supply all of your need according to the riches of the glory of Je by Jesus Christ. So to summarize, giving is worship, right? Our tithe and offering provides for the needs of his church and God's shepherds who pray, right? Um, uh, number three, obedience 
to the word of God with tithes and offerings opens up the floodgates over your finances and releases peace. Number four, tithing and giving breaks the bondage of poverty, lack, and fear. And number five, you are storing up treasures in heaven. Um, okay, I'm going to play a video in a moment. You can go ahead and cue that up. Don't play it yet, though. You got it ready? Okay. Um, so the Lord told us um, through, through not only prophets, but also has been telling us through dreams and encounters that we've been having with him that, um, that we're in a time of asking him dangerously for what we want to see happen. And the Lord told us that uh, over the past seven years that the enemy has come in and stolen from us. So if you can think about in your mind what that looks like for you, what is, it's 14, 2007, 2006, right? So, um, uh, and the Lord said, I want you to go back and I want you to pull out all of those dreams and all of those uh, uh, promises that God has made to you. And I want you to dust them off. And I want you every day to begin to thank me for seeing this happen before the end of the year. Yeah, it's like, it's time. And the Lord keeps telling me that, you know, Abraham got the promise and then he had to wait a long time. And then God showed up again and within a year, that promise came to pass. So, so we're in the season where God has made, we, we've had the promises and we're just like, oh, <laughs> how long do I have to believe? I'm standing in faith, okay, well, you're really getting hard, you know? And the Lord, and the, but he's come to us and he said, you've now entered into that time. Now, say what I say and worship me in this. Begin to thank me because I'm about to, you're about to see this before the end of this year. And so we began to say, all right, uh, Lord, we're going to do that. And so John and I began to pray about two weeks ago. We dusted everything off. And I mean, we pray all the time anyway. But um, so one of the primary prayers for us is um, that our daughter Bliss would be healed and that she would walk. And so we just, uh, she's in a, for those of you that don't know, she's a quadriplegic and she's in a wheelchair. And um, she broke her neck and it was a complete severing. Uh, you know, it's not like there was like any kind of, you know, electrical cord connected, um, spinal cord. Um, so it was a complete severing of her neck. And um, so, so she's paralyzed from her, from about here down. And um, that happened in 2006, and so that was one of our prayers. We were like, God, we just dangerously and boldly ask that she will walk before the end of the year. And, and so in my prayer time, I just began to speak to her toes, and I began to speak to her legs and, and, and say, thank you, Lord, that her toes are moving. And, I'm, and like I'm there with her, you know, just commanding them to, um, to move. And um, <clears throat> so it's been, what, seven years since she had her injury. So uh, two days after we began this process of praying, uh, she sent this video and she posted it on Facebook. I don't know if you can see that, but her she's walking. She's doing that through her own efforts. They're guiding her, but her legs and her feet and her toes have started moving. 
She is the one picking her legs up on her own. Now, this is a complete injury. There's a complete break. She has absolutely and has, has absolutely no feeling whatsoever and no movement for seven years. I'm telling you, we are in the time, and she's crawling. They'd have to keep her from falling side to side, but she's pulling her legs up under her on her own. This is a miracle. I'm telling you, we have tapped into the miracles of God right now. And John and I are just beside ourselves that we've been praying and believing God for his promises. And beloved, we are in the season where these things are going to begin to happen to us. So dust off all of the promises. And I'm telling you, I'm looking at you. And guys, the reason that I'm sitting here, I, I don't want your money. I mean, I do want your money. But, but, but here's the thing that I want. I want you to prosper financially. I want, there are millionaires. I'm looking at people that are actually supposed to be millionaires writing checks for missionaries, funding churches, funding schools, kingdom schools. I mean, we're supposed to be the ones writing the checks. Amen. And so my heart is that you would be set free from this bondage and the curse on your finances. And so what we're going to do, I want to bring the, I want to bring the buckets forward. Uh, Bob, are you here? Um, I want two buckets. I'm going to bring them uh, forward. And Yaku, is he here? Or is he already mopping? <laughs> All right. Um, I just need, I need, I need, um, I need some worship. I need some worship. Um. So I asked the Lord, what do we need to do? And this is what he told me. He said, you need to repent um, for withholding from me. That he loves his church and he loves his, his shepherds. And every way that we have said, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to give. I'm going to go on vacation. I mean, I'm just being straight up, guys. Every way that we haven't said you know, this is my family, you know, and I don't think about this 10%. This 10% is not mine ever to spend. And John and I have prayed and we asked the Lord to let us give more. And he's really blessed the our ability now to, to, we give above the tithe and then we give and John keeps saying, okay, stop giving. <laughs> but a man, it's so freeing, you know? And so I just want us to spend some time this morning repenting for every way that we have um, eaten the seed, you know. And then I want to thank the Lord for the seed. I want to thank God that we live in the second wealthiest city in America. And that there are opportunities around every corner to have a job. And... and we have such abundance, you know, and I want to thank him for, for this seed, just like Jesus did. So as you prepare your offering, I want you to really pray, first of all, with what you can do. And, and uh, if the Lord tells you given over 10%, I want you to go ahead and do that. Um, but I want you to thank the Lord for the seed. John and I thank the Lord for the seed every time that we tithe. 
Thank you, Father, for the seed because we're sowing it into the kingdom in thanksgiving, which will produce a harvest. Um, and then the, the third thing, when do we give? The Lord teaches us to give out of the first fruits of our income, not the income that we have left at the end of the week or the month. So we give systematically. Therefore, we give in relation to the frequency of our income. So if we get paid once a month, we tithe once a month. And we tithe immediately. We don't wait. Because um, the enemy will come and start rationalizing all of the other things that we need to use that money for, right? Um, and if we get paid once a week, then we, we tithe. If you get paid once a week, tithe once a week. Um, the fourth thing, how much do we give? And um, like I said, t- the word tithe actually means 10%. Um, and, but we want to go beyond what we can get away with. We want to go beyond because I don't know about you. I want to tap into that abounding uh, uh, provision, you know? So God's not really concerned with the size of our gifts themselves, but the heart that lies behind it. All right, the fourth thing. What if we're in debt? Well, I mean, John and I, it didn't, our debt did not keep us from giving extravagantly. But we did go and get on the Dave Ramsey program. And John had me searching through envelopes for cash. (laughs) Which, by the way, I would usually give most of the money away that was our grocery money. (laughs) I didn't get, look, I have cash. Who needs it, you know? Praise God, right? He didn't know that. Okay. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray. Let's just, let's just everybody just bow your head and just ask the Lord. There are envelopes in the back that you can give with. Um, I just want to, Father, I just right now, I just pray that you would forgive us. Even the church as a whole, Father, only 20% of the church ties. And God, we're so sorry. We're the richest nation in the whole earth. And only 20% of us give our money to you. And so, God, would you forgive us that we've eaten the seed of your harvest Father, I pray that you would break off the curse that's on our money, the curse that's on our, that's on our work, the curse that makes things so hard for us, God. Would you break that off where we know we're supposed to be wealthy, but we can't get to it. God, break that off. Break off the curse, Father. And would you forgive us, God, where we thought that we were, we just didn't understand, Father. We didn't have a revelation, but would you, would you begin to speak to us through your word and give us a revelation of kingdom wealth? And would you bless this this morning? Would you bless this tithe? Would you bless this offering? God, would you, uh, we just thank you for it. We thank you, Father, for the ability to create wealth. Your word says that you give us the ability to create wealth. So, Father, we just do, we, this is not, manipulation God this isn't anything God we just come to you freely with hearts that are that are laid bare that God you would um, take this and multiply it father I thank you that we can trust you you said test us and test me in this and see if I won't open up the floodgates so right now I just I just speak to the floodgates in heaven over your finances church every one of you, in the places where you have just just struggled in, in, in lack 
and, and poverty and, and, and burden over the area of money. Right now, I just open the floodgate over you. And in Jesus' name, and I thank you, Father, for that. I thank you, Father, for your mighty provision, for the outpouring that we are in the season once again where miracles are going to begin to happen. I just see some of you right now are getting delivered of, 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 of wrong thinking in the area of money. Yeah, so Father, I just thank you, God. I thank you, and I just pray for our minds, Father, that you would conform our minds to the mind of Christ. 